Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 45. We come now to a new section of our Heidelberg Catechism on prayer. And before the Catechism digs into the various petitions of the Lord's Prayer, uh, it gives us this introductory Lord's Day that is a primer on Christian prayer, a bit of an overview on what prayer is and, and why we pray and how we pray. And so we'll confess together all of Lord's Day 45, beginning with question and answer 16. This is on page 893. So, beloved, why do Christians need to pray? Because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness God requires of us, and also because God will give his grace and Holy Spirit only to those who continually and with heartfelt longing ask God for these gifts and thank him for them. And how does God want us to pray so that he will listen to us? First, we must pray from the heart to no other than the one true God who has revealed himself to us in his word, asking for everything he has commanded us to ask of him. Second, we must fully recognize our need and misery so that we humble ourselves in God's majestic presence. Third, we must rest on this unshakable foundation. Even though we do not deserve it, God will surely listen to our prayer because of Christ our Lord, as he has promised us in his word. And what has God commanded us to ask of him? Everything we need, spiritually and physically, as embraced in the prayer Christ our Lord himself taught us. And we'll dig into that prayer next time. So let's dig into God's word now as we turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18. So we confess in one of those catechisms the need to pray continually and with that heartfelt longing. That's what we see here in Luke chapter 18 in this portion of God's word, which is called the parable of the persistent widow. So we'll read Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 7. The grass withers and the flowers fade. The word of our God will stand forever. Let's give our careful attention to the reading of God's word. And he, that is Jesus, told them a parable to the effect that they they ought always to pray and not lose heart. And he said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected men. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him, saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continually coming. The Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, we ask, Lord, that you would create in our hearts the things that Jesus intended from this parable, that we ought not to lose heart in prayer, that we might be roused by your Holy Spirit to come sensing our need continually before your throne of grace, trusting that you hear us for Christ's sake. And so, Father, bless our meditation now on this word to that end for your glory 
and for the enrichment, Lord, of our communion with you. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know about you, but one of those areas of the Christian life that I always feel like I need to grow in is this area of prayer. Sometimes there are seasons when we feel strong in prayer and we feel like God is so near to us. And sometimes there are seasons where we feel very weak in prayer and we feel like we're praying and we're hitting the wall with our prayers, as it were, hitting the ceiling. And Before Jesus gives this parable to his disciples, it's um, helpful to see that he tells us the important purpose of this parable. Jesus told this parable because he knows that his beloved people struggle to pray, especially when life is difficult. Maybe you have experienced that in your own walk with the Lord, struggling to pray because life is difficult. Maybe your heart has just grown cold to God and you've lost heart in prayer. Maybe you could think about seasons of life where you stopped praying altogether and you just did not turn to the Lord in the various troubles you were going through. Isn't it true that we could find ourselves praying maybe in public settings around the table with our family, at meetings, at school, maybe even at church? But when it comes to our own personal life with God, sometimes our prayer life can be stagnant altogether. And so we all need to consider this parable together because each one of us, this side of heaven, can lose heart, can grow tired when it comes to prayer. Prayer is to be a holy habit that we cultivate throughout our Christian life. But with all spiritual disciplines, there are barriers that we face when it comes to devotion to the Lord. And so Jesus gives this parable to us, not only to instruct us in what prayer is, but Jesus gives us this parable actually to inspire us to pray. Now, sometimes when it comes to prayer, uh, we need teaching, we need information, but Jesus here not only gives us information, he gives us inspiration. He wants to motivate our hearts to continually come before our Father in heaven who loves us and who hears our prayer. Again, this is a bit of a primer on Christian prayer, this Lord's Day in this, in this text. So we're going to hit some questions here. First, why do we struggle to pray? Second, what are we to pray for? Third, how are we to pray? And finally, why are we to pray? The first point is a bit more introductory, but why do we struggle to pray? Well, the world we live in can be difficult to live in, and we could be easily distracted with various things going on. Right? Our lives are busy. And we don't always see, if we're honest, the immediate benefits of prayer. Why we live in the day where things are answered immediately, our requests, right? Amazon Prime, we get food delivered to our houses quickly at the click of buttons. And when it comes to prayer, sometimes we might feel in our hearts, it doesn't seem to work. It feels like a useless exercise at times. And so we get discouraged. We lose heart. We don't find reasons why we should pray. If you look at chapter 17, the context of this parable comes in a particular context. The main context of this parable comes in chapter 17 with Jesus teaching about the coming of his kingdom. In Luke 17, if you're looking there in verse 20 uh, through the end of the chapter, Jesus is reminding his disciples of this important truth that he is going to come again one day in glory. And when he comes again, it's going to be sudden. His salvation will come. His judgment will fall upon the earth. He says in verse 26, it's going to be like the days of Noah, right? People eating and drinking, giving into marriage, going about their life. And then suddenly Jesus is going to come and he's going to bring his kingdom in all of its glory. 
But verse 25 says, first, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected. And so there's going to be this time, beloved, between the first coming of Jesus, his first advent, and the second coming of Jesus. There's going to be this gap where God's people are going to be following Jesus on this path of suffering leading to glory. And in this gap, uh, it's going to be difficult. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be injustice. There's going to be hardship. We're going to be tempted to lose heart in prayer as we uh, live in this time. And so Jesus gives us this parable so that we might not lose heart, but always pray. Praying in seasons of prosperity when things are going well and praying in seasons of adversity. Again, the Lord gives us this parable to encourage us to stir up our hearts to God so that we might bring all of our requests to him. And so what are we to pray for? What are we to pray for? When we come before God in prayer throughout the day, what should we be praying for? As our catechism helps us, we're to pray for everything we need spiritually and physically. And we're going to see that in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Jesus calls us to be concerned with spiritual kings, the coming of his kingdom, that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. He teaches us to pray for forgiveness. Lord, forgive forgive us our debts even as we forgive our debtors. But Jesus also teaches us to pray for our physical needs. He calls us to pray for daily bread. Right for daily strength, for health, for blessings on our work, marriages, and relationships. God invites us to bring all of the things that come upon us in this world before him in prayer. And we see that in this parable with this widow. Who was this widow? We don't know how old she was. We don't know her exact situation. But we know she is a woman in distress. In scripture, a widow is often a symbol for powerlessness, especially in these days. A a widow was someone who was often a person who experienced injustice of some sort and oppression. In biblical times, widows were vulnerable first because they were women and women in society didn't have the same kinds of rights as men. And also because uh, a widow would lose the only man who could legally stand up for her. And so she was a vulnerable person. And this widow in Luke's parable is additionally burdened because she needs some sort of justice against her adversary, right? And so what is she doing? She's crying out to this judge for justice against her opponent. Again, we're not sure what her situation was. Was she taken advantage of? Was she not being given her full rights? Uh, she, She doesn't have people to help her like a husband who would come and stand up for her, right? And so she's coming before this judge vulnerable and she's asking for justice. God would often call his people to be concerned with orphans and with widows, those particular vulnerable people in society, right? James 1.27 says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And so God calls his people to be people of biblical justice, right, who love their neighbor as themselves, and they do this by showing love and care and attention for people like this, this widow. And, you know, in this text, in light of the kingdom teaching that Jesus has been giving, you might even see this widow as a bit of a symbol of the believer in this world. We live in a world where evil and injustice afflicts the church of Jesus Christ. Again, especially in other places of the world where there's persecution of brothers and sisters for the faith. 
right? There are martyrs for the faith, people who are in prison because they bear the name of Jesus, beaten because they're followers of Christ, right? We considered Guido de Bray's story in our uh, class this morning, a martyr for the faith who wrote our confession, one of them. And many of these martyrs for the faith long, like this widow, to see God's justice come, his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, Right, those who are slain on account of the word of God cry out to the Lord in Revelation 6 and 9. O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Like this widow, give me justice against my adversary. Again, the context of this parable, beloved, is this gap that we're all living in today between Christ's first advent, Christmas time, and Christ's second advent, when he comes again. This time that theologians sometimes call, right, the already, but the not yet. Jesus says in verse 22 of 17, this is a time when false Christs are going to show up. People are going to say, look, there he is, or look, his kingdom is coming. Jesus says, don't listen to them. Jesus tells us this is going to be the time of the church militant, where through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. It's going to be a time, beloved, when we long for justice in different ways as we look out into this world and see brokenness and evil winning the day. This is the time we live in. And in this time, Jesus is stirring up our hearts in this parable to pray to the Lord, to keep on praying for him, to him, for everything that we need physically and spiritually. How are we to pray? Jesus teaches us in this parable how we are to pray to our God. First, he shows us through this parable we're to pray from the heart, from our hearts. This widow comes before this unjust judge and pleads from the heart for her needs. And we know that. We know she was deeply motivated because the parable tells us she came continually before him. Beloved, when we pray, we must pray from the heart with an awareness of our need for God, even as we pray. Jesus warns us in the Gospels about heaping up empty phrases to the Lord, right? Words that are disconnected from what's going on on the inside. Jesus says, you know, the pagans think they will be heard for all their many words, for simply saying the right things. But no, God wants our hearts. Covenant children, even for you, as you grow up learning how to pray and even learn the Lord's Prayer and the right things to say. Never forget that God wants your heart as you pray. Psalm 51, verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. So God wants us to pray from the heart, we might say, with humility. And we see as well from this parable, God wants us to pray with a humble persistence. A humble persistence. This widow comes before the judge and she pleads for only what he can give. Give me justice. And she comes again and again and again with this same request. Even when the judge doesn't consider her, she comes. Even when the judge doesn't immediately change her circumstances, she comes. She continually comes. Persistence. Have you ever been persistent? In something in your life, persistent maybe in finding a job, persistent in advancing in your career, maybe persistent in pursuing a particular man or woman, even when you were met with some barriers, 
persistence. Have you ever been overcome by the persistence of another person? Right? I'm sure many parents could sympathize with this, right? When your child comes to you and, and they're saying, Mom and Dad, can I please have this? Or can I please go do this? Right? And they continually come, right? Continually begging, continually nagging, continually whining. And eventually you're just so beaten down by their coming that you just give in. That's what happened in this parable. Persistence is a powerful quality. And God wants persistence, persistence to mark our prayer life. He wants us to continually come and pray for those things that are in accordance with his will. I once heard an old story of a nine-year-old boy uh, who at one time was uh, hearing a knock at the door and he answered it and he found there a beggar who was asking him for a sandwich And he shared this request with his mom in the house. And they lived in kind of a small home. And and the mom said, you know, tell him that we're poor people too. And so he went and he shared that message with the beggar. And the beggar would not take no for an answer. And he said to the boy, can I have just one slice of bread? And so the boy goes back to his mom, shares what the beggar said. And the mom says, oh, he's a real beggar. Make him a whole sandwich. He's a real beggar. Give him what he wants. And maybe that should cause us to ask the question of our own life. Do we really want the things that we pray for? Are we really beggars before God in prayer? Or do we pray simply pretending that we need his grace and his help in our time of need? God wants us to pray to him from our hearts with humility, with persistence, These are the kinds of qualities that are to mark our prayers. The beautiful thing that we see in this parable, beloved, is that we do not come as beggars before a reluctant master. We don't come before God as a judge who doesn't care about us. But in prayer, we come before our Father in heaven who's not poor or limited like us but a father who is rich in mercy, eager to help his children in their time of need. And this is the main heart of this parable, this last question. Why are we to pray? God gives us this inspiration from this parable. Why are we to pray? Notice in this parable, beloved, Jesus argues from the lesser to the greater to teach us what God is like. He tells us if unjust And wicked judges are able to grant requests for mercy for people they don't even care about. How much more will your Father in heaven answer the prayers of those he loves? The main focus in this parable is actually not the woman, but it's the judge. It could easily be called the parable of the unjust judge because his character and his words take up the majority of this parable. And so who was this judge? Well, he was a corrupt politician, right? He didn't fear God. He didn't care about people. He did not govern by God's law. He didn't love God and his neighbor. He didn't love justice and righteousness. He just cared about his own self-interest, 
right? Often judges in these days would, you know, take bribes for their selfish gain or do certain things that would just promote their own platform, right? As Ecclesiastes says, there's nothing new under the sun. But even unjust judges have their limits and are able to respond to persistence. The unjust judge here, we're told he was worn down by this woman's request. Literally, he was struck by them. It's like her request came and they were like blows to him. She's beating me down. She's wearying me. And so what happens? This man, he was finally at his wit's end. He was stressed out by this woman. He was annoyed. He was hot and bothered. And so what did he do? He did something like you and I do. He finally gave in. Gave in to this woman. And he granted her her request, even though he didn't fear God or care about people. He was overcome by the woman's persistence, and he gave her justice. And Jesus says, look, hear what the unjust judge says. Even wicked rulers can be sometimes useful and grant requests. How much more will God respond to his children? Verse 6, hear what the unjust judge says. And as the New King James puts it, and shall not God avenge, that is give justice to his own elect who cry out to him day and night, though he bears long with them? In other words, God is not reluctant nor is God unjust. And so if unjust judges can grant justice, how much more will God hear the prayers of his children and answer them? Do you see what Jesus is doing in this parable? Through it, he's causing us to consider what God is like, to think about the character of God as we pray. Again, why are we to pray? It's because of who God is. Although God is the great judge of all of this earth who will judge all people in the end. In Jesus Christ, we are not kept at a distance, even right now, like this judge was with this widow. But God invites us to draw near to his throne. And what kind of throne is it for his people? It's a throne of grace, a throne of grace. Moreover, we don't have to wait for specific times to appear before this great judge, but we're told, as Jesus says, we cry out to God day and night. We don't have limited access. We don't have to make appointments. We could go before God day and night to our Father. Moreover, notice in this parable, when we come before God, we're not strangers to him. We're not far from his heart like this judge was with this woman. But what are we called in this parable? We're called his elect. What does that mean? It means we are those who are loved by God the Father. That the Father, even before the foundation of this world, chose us individually by name in Christ, in love before the foundation of the world. And then in time, the father so loved this world that he gave his son and the son came and he laid down his life for each and every precious sheep. And then the Holy Spirit came and said, I want you to enjoy and receive all of that. So I'm going to apply all the blessings of Jesus to you personally. And I'm going to be your comforter and your advocate that you might know that you have a relationship right now that is right and favorable and good with God, your father. And so because of the gospel, we are not coming before a reluctant judge in prayer. 
but to a heavenly Father who delights to give good gifts to his children. When you come and pray, beloved, every single time, praying to God your Father, those things that are in accordance with God's will, those things that you see in his word, God delights to answer your prayer. He delights to answer your prayer. Jesus said of earthly fathers in Luke 11, again, you being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Again, this doesn't always mean, right, a change in circumstances. It doesn't always mean we're going to get the material things that we're praying for. But God has promised to give us the Holy Spirit. In other words, he's promised to be with us in our time of need. He's promised to help us. And so Jesus says, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Persist in prayer. And at the end here, he reminds us that we need to remember God's timing. That God's timing is not always our timing. His ways are not always our ways. Notice, he will avenge his elect, though he bears along with them. From our perspective, God's delay might seem long. But notice, when the rescue of God finally comes to this earth in all of its fullness, God says he will avenge his people speedily. Again, beloved, it's going to be like the days of Noah. People are going to be eating and drinking, given into marriage, going about their life, and suddenly the Son of Man, Jesus, is going to appear on this earth. And when he comes, the salvation of his people is going to be speedily. He's going to bring his kingdom. He's going to bring us home. He's going to rescue us. And he is going to bring justice to this earth. And so we are called to pray in light of who God is and in light of these certain things that are to come. And in conclusion, this parable ends on a note of self-examination. You see it? Jesus says, but when the Son of Man comes, will he find such faith on the earth? That is, will Jesus find people who are looking to God in persistent prayer? People who are watching and waiting for the coming of Jesus. People like Anna, who was in the temple looking for the Savior to come. People who are crying out, come Lord Jesus. Jesus was asking this question before his disciples. This is a question that is to come to us. We are to ask, does faith mark my life? Does faith mark my prayers before God? We learn from Hebrews 11, verse 6, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Therefore, beloved, may we not lose heart in prayer. May we remember who God is. May we remember that the Son of Man is coming. And in light of that, may we pray with consistency, May we pray with, consi- with confidence. May we pray with persistence. May we pray with humility. Because if unjust judges know how to grant justice in the end, how much more will God, our Heavenly Father, care for his children? Amen. Let's pray before our God now. Indeed, our Father in heaven, we ask with the disciples of old, 
that you would teach us to pray and help us, O Lord, not to lose heart in our prayers. Grant us the eyes of faith to remember who you are, to behold the love that you have lavished upon us in Jesus Christ, your beloved son. Help us to remember, Lord, that you call us your elect, your beloved, the people that you have set your heart on. And Lord, help us to look forward to Christ's return when your kingdom will come in all of its fullness, in all of its glory. Allow us now, Lord, by your spirit's power to walk in light of that kingdom and to be those who watch and wait for the coming of our Savior. Indeed, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen. Well, there's an opportunity to ask some questions uh, about prayer, about this topic in just a minute.